there, Bannock folks. You're watching another episode of Bannockdotes, a podcast that holds it down for the underground sound here in Ontario, Canada. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment down below in the comment section. Maybe something you like about the show. Maybe something you don't like about the show. Maybe suggestions for future guests. Anything you want to hear me ask guests in the future, leave it all down below. I'll get you. I'll respond. And I'm open to anything. Now, if you're new to the show or a podcast that brings people from the music industry on the show, whether it be musicians themselves, photographers, promoters, anything of that sort, anybody who's around band culture constantly, bring them on the show and have them tell them the wildest stories they have from being around that band culture, whether it's on tour, on the road, you know, at a show, in the studio, anything of that sort. Any sort of nonsense that's happened around band culture, you're hearing it here. All right, now I got to give a bit of a disclaimer about this episode with me and Jacob. Nothing to worry about, though, but we did run into a bit of technical difficulties. You know, some of the video dropped halfway through, so the audio listeners won't realize this at all. But hey, I'm doing this everything myself. Everything is DIY, it's all in house. So I don't have a massive budget behind me. I've only got one other guy working for me. Shoutouts to Fisher. Uh, so it is what it is. Moving forward, we'll make sure that nothing happens like this. But uh, you'll have to make do with this episode. All right, let's get into it. Thanks, folks. Let your smile be your umbrella When the wicked rain comes down Let Underdeveloped path in the grass And every year I cut through Like I'm smashing the glass And every tear that I drew Taught me something in fact To look back and see a pathway That's just littered in puddles Sight the difference between the bitter and the sour A deep breath I'm taking time to smell the flowers Start cooking with spices Leaving out the condiments The love of a woman And the feeling of accomplishment Virgo, clean, creative and methodical Organized like the chocolates Inside of a box of pot of gold I've been unstable Like the waters in a kettle And I will be until the day The anxiety in my chest settles Cause I researched Did the work and formed an opinion And man, I didn't even really like them From the beginning But now I'm just overwhelmed With the disappointing news That the bad guys can win And the good guys lose Heads finally feeling comfortable on my shoulders Call it maturity, man, I'ma just call it getting older And it's all good, and it's all in good health I need to stop impressing everybody and start impressing myself Cause I'm a man, a voice, an opinion Homo sapien, creatively 
job that held me down for too long It's a shame when you and your paycheck don't get along But with no list, there's no selection And your consciousness is no direction And you're haunted with the thought of never getting out Well here it is, a new you A clean slate And a chance to break through Cause when that ball drops So does the hammer It's just us against the wall With a smile fit for the camera This time it's ours, let's take it and own it Adjust our perception and measure our minutes and moments I'll give a bit of an introduction for the for listeners. You're a hardworking individual inside and outside of the music scene. Uh, you've been with My Son, The Hurricane, for several years now. But aside from that, you've been playing in music and bands since you were in high school. And you're also uh, like a social media rep for a local cannabis place. Uh, give, a, give a round of applause for Jacob Bergman. Oh, thank you for wow. joining me. Thank you, everybody at home. I can hear you applauding <laughs> all the way from here. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate that. Hell yeah. Uh, and it's true, you know, despite my uh, uh, youthful activities, I, I'm, I'm, I've got some age, some, some years behind <laughs> me. So I've had a chance to do some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, dude. And um, music has been certainly a primary interest of mine throughout that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting time to, to be in music, of course. Uh, you know, for example, we're doing this podcast video included, and in, here I am wearing a mask. Yeah, I know, eh? Uh, but I'm very lucky. And, you know, I, I think that it's been a, a pretty cool run. I, I understand that I'm, I'm lucky uh, <laughs> because I've had the privilege of at least knowing musicians my whole life. And uh, through My Son, The Hurricane, I, I identify that the things I've had a chance to do are pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So for those who don't know, My Son the Hurricane is like, it's got a lot of moving parts, right? You got like 12, 13 people on stage? Yeah, I mean, technically we're close to 25. What? Uh, Just like your team? That's the team, yeah. yeah. But that includes uh, numerous um, musicians per instrument. So for example, we have two or three trumpet players. We have two or three saxophone, like per saxophone. Um, and it's just because, you know, not everybody can be so available. To tell you the truth, to go out and find a person who plays the trombone and is also interested in being in My Son the Hurricane really <laughs> narrows your options. <laughs> and so um, if people have other things that they uh, find important, then, you know, we like to be able to, to, to give that opportunity. Um, good example of that, one of our trombone players, Alex Duncan, uh, calls Dano one day and he's, you know, timid and he's, he's like worried and he's telling him, oh, man, I know I said... I was going to be at that gig in Alora or wherever it was, um, but I can't because I got to play with Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's like, dude, go play with Aretha Franklin. Yeah, go go jam that. That's that's wild. But you can see though that might have been problematic for us, right? Like mm-hmm. as much as of course, clearly, much better opportunity for him. Yeah. But for us who have agreed to be there, and you know, there's there's a lot of expectation involved in signing that contract. So. Uh, yeah, we're close to 25, wow. but we're usually somewhere between uh, 11 and 13 on stage. On stage, yeah. And you guys tour relentlessly. Yeah. Yeah. How did you manage <laughs> to keep that momentum going throughout the pandemic? Uh, you know, we haven't really been touring at all, to be honest. Uh, even ourselves getting together is a bit of a super spreader nightmare. Like, we're not <laughs> yeah. really from Niagara. Like, I'm here. Dano's here. Cooper's here. Siphus is here. There's a few of us There's here. There's a few. But um, we have... Uh, members ranging throughout the entire province. That's so right. As far as Ottawa, Owen Sound, people come from all over the province to to put the pieces together for this band. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, even a rehearsal has been pretty problematic at certain times. Yeah. Uh, we have done a couple of like, you know, what I would consider to be very COVID memorable shows. Like we did the drive-in show. Yeah. Where it was like. Where was that? Um, it was in Thorold. Uh, I think it was like. Uh, late late l8 club i think that's okay it was like out in a field basically sure yeah um and and very interesting you know to tell you the truth it's not the first time we played in a field right but it was the first time we played in a field to cars (laughs) (laughs) it was like that movie cars like you know you finish the song you're like yeah and then you look out and you're the flashing lights you can hear the muffled sound of people's voices yeah 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 but that's it Uh, because you're in the car so you know um Cool, cool kind of experience. I was really happy to see that something could could be put together. It was a little challenging, mm-hmm. uh, even with the band, you know, like we all had to mask up and, and like, you know, if you haven't had a chance to see Mice on the Hurricane, consider this. <laughs> Everybody's, most of us are blowing into something. Yes. Um, with our breath, with our <laughs> moist breath. Every horn instrument has a spit valve on it. Where you, uh, you give it a little tap and it blah, squirts spit all over the place. And then on top of that, Sylvie and I aren't up there speaking like this. No. Like I am just screaming. Just like a one of those sprinkler systems with my spit <laughs> while I'm right. up there. So like it's problematic, right? Like there's a lot of things you have to work around, but it was really cool um, to do a show like that because things were being considered, things were taken into consideration and we had a chance to, to do what we do, but not, from my perspective at least, do anything unsafe, mm-hmm. uh, which up until that point uh, was impossible. Yeah. But you just see every issue and you kind of try to take it apart one by one. Yeah. How <laughs> many shows did you manage to do last year? Uh, we did, uh, I don't know, at seven maybe yeah maybe seven yeah uh there was a few places there's a place in uh burnstown ontario mm-hmm. just outside of renfrew um and it's called neat cafe mm-hmm. and they're a really cool place we started playing there years and years and years ago and uh it's it's you know have you ever heard of burnstown no i For haven't example, it's not like this really known area mm-hmm. but it's cool because they have a lot of connections so they get these cool bands and i'm happy and humbled to be on that list um, but for example, it was like Matt Good one weekend and then us. Like, whoa, <laughs> wow. cool. Um, you know, again, being the age that I am, that's a big deal. And they have a really good setup. Yeah. Um, they have their cafe, which has a stage. Normally we would play inside, but they also have this barn where they just really keep their firewood. Okay. But we would play outside of the barn and then they have pods of people. Oh, cool. So, you know, you come with your group, like as if at this time restaurants, were, you're still allowed to go to restaurants and stuff yep. like that. So you come with your group. And then you sit in your pod, and uh, you get a chance to see the band. 
Nice. And then for us, we're far enough away that my, you know, sprinkler system spit isn't hitting you. <laughs> yeah. Spit valves are far enough away from, from everybody, and it's all good. Wow. So seven gigs, eh? Yeah, about that. Oh, about yeah, that, yeah. About that, yeah. That's most of the mo- uh, most, most of the bands I got to play, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no so that, that's super rare. How long has Minus on the Hurricane been a band for? Uh, We've been a band for about a decade. Yeah. Um, Dano and I have been playing together for a really long time. Right. Um, Dano and I started playing together when I had my, my sort of like first, uh, serious hip hop project. I say it like that because my first hip hop project project was a, a group called Baked. Baked? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was in hospitals? Hospitals was the serious Was the project. serious one. Yeah. So Baked was just like me and my buddies. We would just basically write songs about smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> which now makes a lot of sense. At the time, it was a little weird because I was a metal guy. Okay. Um, but that was my, my way to get into it. And uh, I had my first kind of like big success with Baked in the sense that um, anybody who's not from Niagara. Growing up in Niagara, Scene Festival was such a big deal. It's the biggest like, deal. The biggest deal. Uh, people still reference it constantly, especially with this new festival that popped the, up. We, when we were young, yeah. yeah. <laughs> new Fire Festival that just popped up. <laughs> Um, but people talk about Scene Festival, huge deal. You know, Joel Carrier, Bedlam Society at the time, eventually turned it into Dynalone Records. Like, you know, big things happened from this festival. So to be a part of it was was a really big deal for those of us growing up in the area. And the first time I got a chance to play Scene Festival, we actually even made it on the CD. And we made it to the, to the, to the album, which, you know, was something that I wasn't even anticipating. Um, you know, such a big deal for, for us. And it was like first, the first opportunity. You know, at this time, of course, we were recording digitally and social media was a thing. But we're talking about like MySpace, not like today. Yeah. So um, to get your music out there was, was still pretty challenging. I know it's still challenging today, but it was even more challenging right. then. <laughs> uh, so I was doing a radio show on 103.7 FM CFB, beautiful radio, Rock <laughs> University. And uh, started really kind of like trying to, to bring all the rappers together through a radio show called All Up In Them Ear Holes. Was that the station that was at the old Welland House that burned yeah, down? Yeah, oh, Okay, cool. Yeah, spent a lot of time there. Uh, very cool place. And actually underneath of it, they had um, uh, like natural water springs or something like that. So it was really like really? weird the way that it was made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn shame that that place burned It was down. an old building. Um, but anyway, so Baked started to become a bit of a thing. So mm-hmm. We got on the album, and great, you know, huge success for us. But I wrote this song called Quit Yo Job. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it was the first instance where, like, I would go downtown because at the time, you know, it was, like, in my early 20s, you were downtown all the time. Um, people would, like, come to me and rap the lyrics. And it was like, come on. Like, yeah, geez. What, what, a, what an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I wasn't a rapper, really. I was a metal guy who was just kind of like dipping my toes in this stuff. But mm-hmm. it became a thing so much that eventually I started to get kind of serious about it. And mm-hmm. that's where Hospitals came to be. Uh, hospitals was essentially me and an acoustic guitar. Uh, I, at first, it was called Jacob Bergsma and the Tongue-in-Cheek Orchestra. <laughs> okay. Which, uh, as much as that sounds lame, um, I thought it was really neat. <laughs> <laughs> But let's be honest, it sounds really lame, so I changed it. Um, but the idea was essentially it was just me and my guitar. So I would rap or I would beatbox. Mm-hmm. And so I would create kind of like instrumental interludes with just my mouth and the guitar, and then I'd rap over top. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat, but like um, I don't really find a great deal of comfort in calm, relaxed right. music. I love calm, relaxed music, but it's just not like – Performing, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just it's not my, really my thing, especially at that time. Right. 
Uh, so I wanted to just kind of pick it up a bit. So I was looking for a drummer, and uh, Dano O'Shea uh, was in the Morantz Project at the time, which played at the Mansion House every Wednesday or whatever. We used mm-hmm. to go see them all the time, and he eventually started inviting us on stage. So reached out to him. My son, the Hurricanes, probably been together over 10 years now, but Dano and I have been playing together for closer to 15 for sure, maybe even more than that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And was my son, the Hurricane, always supposed to be like – 13 people on stage or did it just kind of grow there uh, it uh it wasn't always this big right but it's always been big um it, like from the get-go that right, was the right idea out the gate yeah uh right out the gate when we first started and we were really trying to, to you know branch out anytime we talk to anybody who is you know deeply involved in the business whether it be an agency a label or a touring agent anything like that first thing they tell us is fire half your band and then we can talk Right. And that's kind of where it all started for us. The size has always been an important part of us Mm -hmm. because it's exactly what everyone told us was going to kill us. But from my perspective, and I know Daniel feels the same way, uh, it's what defines us. Like, you know, we are a big ass band. (laughs) Yeah. In every sense. Its value is obvious. Right. Yeah. Um, And I can say that with confidence. You know, I don't feel like a dick saying that because it's not me. It's not the me show. It's nice on the hurricane. There's a lot of us up there. Yeah. And uh, it serves its purpose. Like, you know, whether you like My Son the Hurricane or not, um, it serves its purpose. When you go to a music festival, you'll notice that it's bands like us who close the night. We might not be the headlining band, but we close the night because at 1 a.m. it's a challenge to get people up off their asses to dance around. (laughs) Exactly. And we will not accept that. (laughs) (laughs) No, and especially not with the music you guys play, right? Uh, so, it's, so it's good, you know, it's, it's really cool to be involved in something that you're proud of, but also clearly is, is, is a product that belongs in a certain space. Yeah. It's very admirable the way that you folks work. Like, I mean, I mean, Kyle and I, we're in a band together and like, it's like from an outside looking in from like five guys trying to get together to make a practice work versus like 13, like it's very admirable. The folk, the, the, the length that you guys do to make things happen, super admirable. Love it. Well, I got to say that's Dano. You know, I think that's uh, something that's a common misconception is because it's a lot of my face and right. Sylvie's face. A yep. lot of times people think Sylvie and I like hang out every day and, <laughs> and we think about new ways to, to orchestrate Hurricane. It's really Dano's. Dano, Dano's baby. Vegas like, Funeral. Vegas Funeral Records. Uh, Dano, you know, being a, a – he's got a lot of chops. Like he's got a lot of skin in the game when it comes to the business side of things mm-hmm. outside of us. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a great deal to offer this band and – and really, it's uh, it's something that he's carried through. Yeah. Um, even in regard to rehearsals, like, you know, uh, I've always had that same problem. I, I was in a band, for example, called We Want Barabbas with my brother and two of my best buds. Yeah. And somehow we couldn't even get together for rehearsals <laughs> unless, like, there was hard rules. We even wrote a contract at once. <laughs> no smoking weed until you show up at rehearsal, okay? Um So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, but this is all the magic that Dano's created, like, um, when we got started, it was a lot of friends and stuff like that, but it's arrived at a point where it's it's a professional thing. Like, rehearsal. We don't rehearse. You get sent the music, and you right. know it when you show up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, sounds a lot like work, but coming from a trombone player's perspective, it's still not the work they're used to. Right? Like, that's how you work. Right. Um, but if you were doing something else, not to say that it's not fun, it's just not like this. Like, you know, we understand that this is kind of a, a rare opportunity for, for them too. Um, so it's a good balance that Dano has achieved. Dano has achieved that. That's great. <laughs> so although Ontario is looking weird for 2022 right now, what are your potential plans for this year? 
I'm sure you're in the same boat, right? Like you do everything uh, in in a hopeful way. Yeah. Like you'll notice by our social media, it's not like we're out there to bum people out and remind them that, hey, you know, we might not tour at all. That's not the messaging that you want to perpetuate. No, no. So like we get uh, on our socials and, you know, Dano again, this is, this is Dano. Dano has 60 plus shows booked for the year. However, um, we're not exactly sure how many of those shows are going to take place, but they're booked, right? But they're booked, yeah. And um, you got to just do your best. Mm-hmm. It's like completely outside of our control. That's just that. You got to um, do what you can. The one thing I can say with a lot of certainty is that we're not going to be a band that just shows up and plays in unsafe conditions, you know, for some sort of political reason. It's not right. happening. So, like, you know, it's outside <laughs> of our control. So we're going to remain positive and, you know, try to think forwardly. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, you know, do our best. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. So now you've touched a little bit on how you got into like the hip hop scene growing up. What really got you into metal growing up? It's funny. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday in anticipation because I thought that this question might yeah. come up. And, <laughs> you know, the truth is, like, I was a Metallica kid. Yeah. I, I definitely was a new metal kid. Like, mm-hmm. I spent tons of years with a wall of chain. <laughs> I even had like spikes in my hair in grade nine. And she, <laughs> like, like the Liberty spikes? Up. No, not not punk rock. I'm talking serial <laughs> Joe stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's part of me for sure, but that's not where it all started. For me, it was White Zombie. White Zombie really? for sure is what got me into metal. And through White Zombie, I got into things like Metallica, and you know, eventually it was like Slayer was my favorite metal band in the world. I've seen Slayer like six times, really, or something like that. But then you know how it is, right? Like especially when you're young, it's like, oh yeah, you like Metallica. Well, I like Slayer. They're even heavier. Yeah, and there's always like, some well, one. Oh man, I like Cannibal Corpse. And then at that time, once you get to Cannibal Corpse, that's that, where do you go from there, right? <laughs> Obituary, like okay, his voice <laughs> is harder to listen to. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, it was like we started slow and then got into the new metal thing, and then you realize that you know like. Um, the family values tour and stuff like that. Like to us, we were so like different than everybody we went to school with, you know, my my shirt and my pants are black, dude. (laughs) And then you get a little bit older and you realize that this is not as, it's on much music. It's not that unique. (laughs) (laughs) So then the curve gets harder, right? So you go from, from limp biscuit to obituary straight up. Yeah. And so that's where we lived for, for a long time. Like it was, it was pretty big. Shortly after that, and you probably remember this, uh, you know, this is when hardcore music really started to make, especially in St. Catharines, make a big stink. Like, mm-hmm. we're from the hometown of Alexis on Fire. Uh, you know, as much as, of course, everybody has their own stories about it and opinions, they definitely were in the right place at the right time. 100%. Hardcore music was was huge, especially in St. Catharines. So a lot of people kind of made the transition over to that. It took me a little while, though, I'll be honest. I was more of a, a true-blooded metal kid. Right. Um, but I got there eventually. Yeah. And uh, it was through, um, I'll be honest, it's really more like punk rock essentials that got me there. It wasn't like at any point I was like, damn, I can't wait to listen to that new Arcasia Strain single. Right. And nothing against that. But it was like, man, I, I really was into like cattle decapitation and the locust and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Where it's like, these are my versions of punk rock. I, I love everything about punk rock other than the way it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like the fundamentals and like, like that fuck you attitude. Yeah. Like, oh, you like music? Well, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Check yourself. A DIY mentality. Yes. Uh, you know, the Locust have albums. I have a Locust album that's one of these small discs. It holds four minutes of music. <laughs> and there's like 37 songs on it or something like that. And they're, they're all like a paragraph long yeah. in their title. 
at that time it was just so funny to me. Like, oh yeah. It's it's just an attitude, it's a real dirtbag, whatever, <laughs> go fuck yourself attitude. Uh, that I really connected with. <laughs> and so that, that really sent me down that path. And um, I got really deep into that kind of stuff. That's how We Want Barabbas became a thing. I was in a band called Some Kind of Wonderful as well at one time. What was that like, grindcore project you were into? You were showing me it. Uh, like oh, uh, Sarah Noon. That's right. Sarah yeah. Noon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, there was a band in town called Nangari at one time. And I was in a band called Smith's Grove. Smith's Grove was a B-movie horror metal band. Okay. And we used to play together all the time. I remember, actually, it was such a... I, I'm going to say it was cute, but I'm talking about myself, so I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I'm you know, new to the metal scene, and, and me and my older brother start this band, Smith's Grove, and we want it to be like a trauma movie, but yep. but, but a band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a little off the wall. We're really into Mike Patton and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're trying to like find like-minded metal bands in town. And at the time, it was uh, oh shit, what's the name of that place? It's been gone for years now. Uh, Hideaway. Oh Hideaway. yeah, Hideaway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Nangari's playing, and I've seen Nangari posters all over town for like three or four months. Yeah. So like these guys must be the bomb. <laughs> I listened to them on MySpace or whatever the thing was at the time. Yeah. Decide that these guys are the bomb. Uh, Will Judd, the singer, kind of sounds like Phil Anz- Anselmo. Cool. Which at the time, was like the coolest fucking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, and they got breakdowns too. <laughs> so we went out to see them, and I like you know very timidly walked up to Will Judd afterward, like, "Hi, I'm, I'm, in, I'm starting a, a band called Mice and the Hurricane. We're, or no, I'm sorry, Mice and the Hurricane. Smith Grove. We're yeah. a, a B movie horror metal band. Like, will you take my demo CD?" And he was like, "Like, like that's. Could you imagine if somebody did did that to you yeah, today? Right? Like, he's like, like laughing at me, like, yeah, sure, kid. You know, <laughs> we're probably about the same age. Yeah, uh, but it worked." <laughs> <laughs> It actually worked. That's great. I reached out to them after the fact, and it was Jordan who got back to me as a guitar player, uh, and said, "Yeah, man, no problem. Like, if you want to stir something up, um, mm-hmm. let's do it." And we did a show at the Hideaway, and it was our first show ever. We had a coffin. We had a sign that bled. We wow. had, we had a guy in the band <laughs> that would walk around with two machetes, like actual machetes, <laughs> and um, and he would hand out these monster cookies. At the time, they sold at Dollarama. They would sell these cookies that were shaped like popular monsters, oh, like Frankenstein, like Frankenstein, and werewolf, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was the package. And also, we played music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it blew them away. Yeah. The theatrics of it. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I don't know about the music. Music was fine, I'm sure, but it was again, it was kind of like the hurricane thing, where it's like, ah, whatever you feel about this, this is clearly a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we became pretty tight with, with those guys and uh, started working together in, in, in almost every way. Eventually, Nangari broke up and mm-hmm. Jordan became part of Smith's Grove. Oh, cool. But part and parcel with that, you know, because he was a bit more heavy than I think we were probably accustomed to, he, he asked us to be a part of this band, Sarah Noon, um, which my brother Abe and I were like, yeah, sure, whatever. At that time, I was working at the Beacos on a used CD That's store. That's right. Like, you know, said, fuck yeah, whatever, man. Uh, I would consider those maybe the uh, the most chill times yeah. in, in my life because <laughs> Jordan really took care of everything. Like he'd send drivers up to pick Abe and up, really Abe and I up, wow. wherever the hell we were, and he's from Niagara Falls. Yeah, uh, to show up at practice, and then it just kind of blew up. There was an instance where we were supposed to go play a festival, and uh, Century Media Records was supposed to be there. Oh so, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what have they stayed. stayed They're still pretty yeah. prominent, yeah. At the time, it was a really big deal. Oh, yeah. 
And so we were jazzed about it. Abe and I were really stoked. And um, I don't really, even to this day, understand what happened. But uh, like two or three of the guys couldn't be there or something like that. We had already agreed to be there. And, and I don't know why. <laughs> Abe and I were like, that's it. That's the straw that broke the camel's right, back. Right, right. That was it. We're out of here. Yeah, we're done. And uh, and we quit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which, you know, it sounds so weird, so like cutthroat and ruthless, but yeah, we quit. Um, but they continued, they actually continued under a different name. Uh, it was the guys in dropped at birth who actually tagged in. Okay. That's how, it was all such a strong community. Just, yeah. We're all, we're all, all friends. Like, everyone's playing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that was very short lived that, you, that band at that time I was doing, we want Barabbas as well. Right. Which, um, uh, it, man, that was that was crazy. <laughs> Those are some times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you, your brother, and your brothers have been in like the music scene, like, in several bands, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I've pretty much always played with one of my brothers. Yeah. Other than more recently, My Son the Hurricane. Right. My older brother Abe was the guitar player for My Son the Hurricane for the first two albums. Oh, okay. At least. Um, and my brother John was always my drummer. He was the drummer of We cool. Want Barabbas. Right. He was uh, the drummer of Disgruntled Employees yeah. as well, which is a different project that yep. we all did. Um, and then, yeah, you know, everybody kind of got a bit older. And <laughs> yeah. uh, my brother Abe's still absolutely guitar player. He's pl probably playing right now. Yeah. I, speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and my younger brother still plays, but he's pretty deeply involved in, in skateboard. I was just going to say, like, he did he turn pro? Uh, he didn't, but he got about as close as you can. Yeah. Uh, without like he, I think he did like an underground pro type thing. Oh, cool! He's he always been BC so good. And you know, he was skating for a bunch of different people out there. Uh, I think what's really neat about what he's got going on is you know, skate culture in our lifetime went from being sort of a thing that you saw on TV that was very grossly misinterpreted mm -hmm. to like something that's about to be in the Olympics. Yeah. So like. It's neat because he's, he's a real culture guy. Like, you know, he runs downtown skateboards. And if you're not familiar with downtown skateboards, they're like really, really nice decks, like better decks than you can find from some of the pro places. Mm -hmm. uh, but 100% Niagara. Yeah. And, that, and, so he's all downtown? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I know Garvey um, had a hand in it, but I didn't yeah. know it was your – oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those two dudes have been thick as thieves for a lot of years. Um, so it's it's neat. Like, it's it's cool. It's, it's a culture thing. It's not like a business thing. Despite no. Despite the fact that it is obviously a business. Uh, I probably shouldn't say too much about it, but I can tell you that nobody's making a lot of money off there. It's, it's there to be a significant part of St. Catherine's culture. And, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's working. I think it's working too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I, I grew up in a very musical household. Mm -hmm. um, my my father was a, in bands when we were young, like cover bands and stuff like that. He had a saxophone and shit like that. Um, we always had one TV, but there was pretty much a guitar on a stand in any any like common space. Nice. So like I learned to play "Smoke on the Water" when I was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's the first song 35. you learned. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now pretty young and and. Uh, and I always said that that's how I ended up a rapper too, because like my brother Abram is an incredible guitar player. Like he's just right. incredible. And my father's like such a, a natural musician. Like he'll sit down at a piano and be like, yeah, what, what's this? <laughs> and my little brother's an incredible, like his, his sense of rhythm is just so on point. Like mm -hmm. he can just sit down at a kit and just blow you away. And yeah. then too, like not traditional stuff. Like he's just, just pulling it out of the air. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't anything left for me to do. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> the roles were taken. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess it's this or, uh, I don't know. I guess I could have played bass. Right. But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs>
that's funny. What are some of your what are some of Ontario bands that you've caught your attention with in the last year or so? Is there any Ontario bands that you've been following closely? Yeah, there's a handful of them. I mean, uh, I think that it's interesting because, to be honest, I, I don't uh, listen to a great deal of, of rap music. And maybe it's because of the place that I'm, I'm in in my life. Like, you know, I'm in my mid to late 30s. I've got kids and stuff like that. It's not like when I get home, I'm going to be like, yo, kids, you want to hear what Necro's got going on? You know, like, it's just not uh, really conducive to my lifestyle right. right now. But there are definitely some releases that uh, that blew me off my seat. Ace Moore put out an album called Narco Gold. Ace Moore is actually from St. Catharines originally, I, I think. He okay. at least lived here for a good portion of his adult life. And then uh, he decided to pack up and move to Haida Gwaii. Where's that? <laughs> Haida Gwaii is... Okay, so if you drive... <laughs> All the way out west, as far as you can go, you get to Vancouver Island. Yeah. People are like, damn, that's far. Yeah. Not as far as Haida Gwaii. No. If you, if you go that far, and then you start traveling north. <laughs> so you're going north, and you go up to Prince Rupert, which is right up at the top there. Like, it's basically a fishing community. If you really? If you fish, people are like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm going to Haida Gwaii. That's what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, and then you get on a, a boat, and you go through the water for eight hours to this island. Wow. It's called the Edge of the World Festival. That's why we went. We went there once. My Son the Hurricanes played there. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Edge of the World, we played with Shad, too. Oh, killer. I love Shad. Yeah, man. Shad's always been super, super awesome. Yeah. We, we can get into that later. Um, Haida Gwaii, it's way the hell out there. It's considered the DMT capital of the world. <laughs> The, that's I love that, uh, and it's this extremely spiritual place. Yeah, uh, up until somewhat recently, it was basically just uh, the indigenous peoples, right, and expats, mm-hmm. people who were running. Mm-hmm. And for years and years and years, it was just that. And you know, over the years now, glamping is a thing, and so right. people fly in and they have like fishing trips uh, and stuff okay. like that. But it's still very preserved. Yeah, when I was there. Uh, there's like one spot on the island where you can stand. This isn't true. This is a bit of an exaggeration. One spot on the music <laughs> festival I was in uh, where you could stand where you might get cell reception. Really? Yeah. You just might? You might. Who knows? Yeah. Great thing for a dude with kids at home. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a very, very special place. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of unknown. Like I, did, I didn't know how to go before no. we had an opportunity to play there. And he decided to move there. It had nothing to do with us. Like he just, you know, he must have been aware of it for whatever reason. Uh, decided to move there and he was a very like um i would say uh lyrically advanced rapper to begin with okay but what i really love about this album is that he uh he, he's just jumping out like his level of confidence seems to be growing he's growing clearly because mm-hmm. uh, he's got tracks that are like straight spoken word that like you know i know it's not too far out from a regular rap song but it's like th- creatively though this is a big risk mm-hmm. like you know you're, you're kind of getting into the slam poetry like yeah. you know Bim bap boop kind of stuff, which <laughs> yeah. I, I almost sound like I'm making fun of it. I'm not. To me, it's like that's ballsy. That's yeah. really neat it's tough. And it's not like you're just spitting out garbage. Like it's like what you're saying has context to mm-hmm. it too. So lyrically advanced rapper, and now with this new album, there's there's new stuff there too. It's just just really cool. Yeah. And what artist <laughs> was that? Sorry. Uh, his name's Ace Moore, the Ace corner Moore. store rapper. Cool. Calls himself Narco Gold is the name. Narco Gold. That's I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I guess I should plug Ezra's new album too. Ezra just put Ezra. Out a that's new right. Album. I got to speak with him because of the year in review yeah, thing that totally, we got to do. Totally. And, uh, I definitely got to get Ezra on the show because I loved speaking with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, he's so down to earth. Um, I got to know him years and years and years ago. Uh, when I was, uh, you know. M- kind of coming up in rap i was always very tight he's been my friend since high school jamie townsend jack shit yeah and we're a bit older than than eric as a 
Um, so I was unaware of him, but Townsend brought him to me through mm-hmm. this song called Ray Gunslinger. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, like, you know, it was still like very aggressive rap was cool. Yeah. Um, so you expect younger people to not really be into that old school shit. You expect them to be more into this like aggressive stuff. Right? Mm-hmm. And that was the case, generally mm-hmm. speaking. But then this guy, Eric, comes up. I forget what he was going by at the time. I wish I remembered. But um, yeah, he brings this track and it just made Townsend and I just howl. Like, who <laughs> is this kid? <laughs> well, it's Ezza and he's even better today. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. So before we get into some anecdotes with each other, I know that you're quite the 90s kid. Yeah. Growing up. <laughs> I got to ask the one important question because you, you're a little older than me, so you probably indulged in this a little bit better. What system was the home entertainment system? Was it the Sega for you or was it the Super Nintendo? Yeah, so that's a challenging question. I actually am <laughs> maybe the perfect age. I'm not yeah. saying the perfect example, but I'm the perfect age. Yeah. Uh, because I have two systems. Well, kind of th- three Three systems that were were like the iconic one. Yep. If I had to choose one, I would be the first one because it was the first one and it was the first experience. Uh, and I'll very quickly tell you the story. So, <laughs> um, it was Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System. Yep. Uh, Christmas, you know, we're kind of stoked. We're thinking we're getting a Nintendo. We get to the end of the Christmas experience, and there's only one gift left. It's it's from my mom. Yeah. My mom grabs it and get you know starts unwrapping it and realizes the tag's loose, looks underneath. Oh, this isn't for me. This is for you, boys. Oh! <laughs> and, nice. we, you know, at this point, we're totally like, this was basically the Christmas story thing. Yeah. When he finally, oh, what's behind that what? uh, desk? <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I'll never, ever forget that. Um, but PlayStation was a big one, too. PlayStation. Because, um, because this happened, it's not like my parents could pull the same trick. So what they did was they also got us this PlayStation for Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. But my dad was like, well, kids, I just want to let you know um, it's just not in the cards. And I don't want to pour salt on the wound. But I know you got a bunch of time off over Christmas. So about a week before Christmas, when Christmas vacation started from school, he went and rented it us. He rented us a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So it was like such a, such a power move, man. Yeah. Like obviously it's not happening but also i appreciate it like so thoughtful right? yeah like i'm bummed but i'm not upset <laughs> yeah yeah and it was all a ruse because they did get it <laughs> that's funny that's great back in the day when you could rent systems i don't even know if you could still do that i don't even know yeah wouldn't it be interesting if you could rent those systems too oh yeah eh? <laughs> that'd be a good time what would be your favorite game for the the entertainment at nest sorry the excite bike Excite Bike. Excite Bike, thousand percent. Classic. And there's another one called Urban Champion. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. You probably do remember it. You yeah. just forget that it's called Urban Champion. I did at least, and I had to like search it. I ended up on archive.com, uh, and, and I found it. But anyways, uh, it's two dudes. You get dropped in a city, and there's a building behind you. Okay. And basically, the two dudes walk toward each other, and fight. But you're only allowed to punch in the gut or the face. That's it. That's. And every time you do, the guy goes back a little bit. Right. Until you fall out of frame. Then you go to the next building. But once you punch the guy out of three frames, there's a sewer there. And you punch him into the sewer. That's how you win. <laughs> That's how you win, eh? That's great. What was that? Urban Assault? Urban Champion. <laughs> Urban Champion. River City Ransom was a big one, too. I, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was a really big one for Yeah, us. those are great games. I remember, uh, I forget what it was, Electronic Supermarket at the time or something like that. My older brother must have saved for five years to buy that game. <laughs> and he did. Came in such an odd package, I remember, too. Yeah. Uh, but that was a big one, man. It's such a, like, for that kind of game, mm-hmm. it was so huge. I don't think I ever finished it. No. 
That's a big game. Yeah. Yeah, quite big. Yo, who's got five on it? Yo, yo, you know I got five on this one, man. All right, all right, all right. Well, we got pretty good friends to be down on that. Frank will definitely throw five on it. We're going to have ourselves a TGB. Two grand blood. Two grand blood, motherfucker. Yo, landlord, you want to get in on this? No, bitch. I got to go to work. What the fuck did you just say? Quit your job! Work. We get high. Do it anything we can to make the days go by. Oh my, you're still employed, punk. Trying to tell me that you can't use them feet of yours. Get walking, bitch. You better style. You gotta get your ass out of employment, child. That's wild. An honest living, punk. You gotta see the profits. Home invasions have been given. Uh, monies, cars, credit debts. Doing innovative ways to smoke your marijuana cigarettes. Yeah, bitch. Of course I got a bucket. It's resting above my nuts. Now get down and. Girl, you know I'm just joking Don't be offended by the verbal diarrhea that I'm throwing Shit, I'm wackos intolerant And shit keeps falling out my mouth Yeah, all of it So come on, baby girl Let's drink some Arizona iced tea We'll get into some craft dinner You know how we do it down here I'd love to, but we're short staff I gotta go into work Am I gonna have to knock a bitch out? Quit your job! Quit your job! On the mic, cause you make it look like a toilet. You've been shitting on hip hop too long, punk. You starting to spoil it. Put away that beat rap. You still need to be busted up. Let me translate. You can drink that out your sippy cup. Quit yo job. It's easy. All you got to do is follow these three. Walk in, fuck your boss up, and strut. Spit in his face and call his wife a slut. What, bitch? You know I'm hard. I'm representing Meriton, you ballsy bitch. Reads hard. We got bars now. We're moving up in the world. Still sneaking in the thorough for the TS girls. So, <laughs> cuties, I ain't got a job no more, so I can put up with thorough booty. All right, let's get into some anecdotes with each other. So tell me some of the wildest stories you have from being on the road or in the studio or anything in between. And... I also have Dano sent me a couple. If you couldn't think of any, he said yeah. he got me a couple fire starters, which I don't <laughs> even know what they technically are. Uh, but I'll let you say your pieces, and if you hit some of these or don't, I'll uh, I'll we'll continue forward. That's funny to think that uh, that he said some. I wonder what he said. Uh, there's a handful of them, you know. Of course, being in a band with so many people, it's uh, it's it's lots of opportunity to get into crazy stuff. Um, I'll tell you about one thing that we've always maintained. Uh, it's a little thing called Sock Goblin. Is that something he put in there? Sock Goblin? No, he didn't. All right, cool. This one's not that wild. It's not like you're going to hear Sock Goblin and think, oh, man, those mice on the Hurricane Cats. They're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but we've always maintained this very strict rule. You can do whatever you want after the show if we're at a hotel or somebody's house or something like that. Mm-hmm. You can go to bed. If you're like, hey, man, I'm tired. I'd like to go to sleep. Nobody's going to have a problem with that. Other than we might call you a bitch a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> but if you fall asleep on the couch, we're cutting the tips of your socks off. It's called the sock goblin. <laughs> <laughs> you cut the tips of the socks Just off? Just the tips. <laughs> and the first time we did it, uh, it was Andrew Harwood. I don't mind dead naming him because it's Andrew Harwood. He used to be in the band. Um, 
we're partying and all that shit goes on anyways we sock goblin him. he comes up in the morning he's got marker all over his face too he doesn't realize it at the time he comes upstairs and he's like boys i think i partied so hard that i blew my socks out <laughs> <laughs> Sock goblin. Like, man, that must have been a pretty clean blow. If yeah. that's the case. Like it was a clean cut. To think that they just like split at the scene. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many people have fallen victim to the sock oh, goblin? Oh, I've been sock goblin oh, you a have? couple of times. <laughs> couple sure, times. Yeah. Yeah. A couple times. It's been, it's been over a decade, right? So there's lots of opportunity. I think that uh there was a certain uh crew of us where everyone had been sock goblin. Right. But it's been a while, like, uh, especially over the pandemic, the faces in the band have changed quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, so there's lots of sock goblining to happen. Still. To happen still. <laughs> yeah. You got to get initiated in. That's great. <laughs> uh, I got another quick one. So <laughs> we're playing in uh, Windsor, Windsor, Ontario. And, um, you know, just hanging out. Uh, I ended up going outside to smoke a joint with some dude after the show. Mm-hmm. He's just some dude. He was interested in the band. Whatever. I don't know what's going on. Uh, anyways, uh, took a little while. I guess a lot longer than I was anticipating. Because when I came back inside, the entire band was gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll be honest, isn't terribly uncommon. There's a lot of people who watch it. A lot of people. Uh, anyway, somebody offers to give me a ride to the hotel we're staying at. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that sounds great. And thank God. Because, like, I don't even know where the hell I am. Right? Like, this, <laughs> this really worked out well for me. Uh, and also, I don't know who you are, so I hope that you're being, I hope you're being yeah. genuine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, turns out they were being genuine. They dropped me That's off. That's good. Uh, I get to the hotel. Uh, I had not been there yet, so I'm still trying to figure things out, and I'm looking at my phone and stuff. But this is quite a few years ago. It's not like I was – the information wasn't around my right, phone. Right, right. But my phone's out. And then I uh, get out of the car, and I start walking toward the hotel, and I realize I left my phone and my keys in the car. Oh, no. And I don't even know these people's names. You don't know them. Like, what am I going to do? Call the venue in the morning and be like, do you know this person? And try my best to describe this person I was hanging out with after smoking a joint drunk after a show? Yeah. Not happening. Yeah. So I chase this car down the street. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Full sprint. Full sprint. Yeah, man. Like Terminator 2 style. Have you seen this boy? And I'm bolting. And, like, I'm talking, like, three blocks. It must have been... Like, you know how they say when mothers see their child in a, in a compromising situation, they get like, the just get that adrenaline gorilla strength or whatever. This is how passionate I was about getting my fucking phone back. <laughs> so, yeah, three blocks in, and I finally get there, and I <laughs> knock it on. I left my phone in your car. <laughs> I scared the shit out of them. Uh, but I got my stuff back. Hey, all of it. Nice. Then. <laughs> I'm going into the hotel like, yeah. boy, I got a great story to tell these guys, right? Oh, man, this is going to be good. I can't wait to hear this. I get inside, and it's one of the uh, one of the guy's birthdays. Okay. And in Windsor, at this place, we would play. It's called the DH. Um, Dominion House. Yes. Actually, the last time we were there, I saw Sinner was playing there. Yeah, a day we played there. Us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have this thing called the Eggermeister. Next time you're there, inquire about it. Okay. If, you haven't. if you're curious about what an Eggermeister is, it's exactly what it sounds like. Jägermeister in an egg. <laughs> <laughs> like the shot? Yeah, in a hard-boiled egg. Like they hollow it out, uh, and it's Jäger in there instead of yolk. Right. 
Just about the grossest thing you can imagine. Yeah, right? how did they come up? <laughs> Eggs, Jaeger, we can make something out of this. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I don't think we clean up puke enough here. <laughs> Let's make a product to encourage it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, he ended up, I, that night it was his birthday, so on stage I was like, it's his birthday, buy him Eggermeisters. <laughs> and they did. They bought him all kinds of Eggermeisters. Oh, boy. So, yeah, anyways, all this goes down. I finally get to the hotel. I'm walking in all stoked. Like, I got a story to tell you guys. And as soon as I open the door, he falls over from the washroom. You know how hotels are, right? You walk in the front door, the washroom's yeah. just to the right or the left. Falls down and boom, pukes like an incredible amount of eggs in Jägermeister. It totally killed my story. I had nothing. I had nothing after that. I basically haven't told that story until today because the Jägermeister just ruined it. <laughs> That's so funny. When we played the Dominion House, um, I can't exactly remember how this was the case, but I remember walking by and some guy was like, that guy at the bar there, He's got a squirrel in his hood. We're like, what? And he co- we went over to him, and he, yeah, had a little black little squirrel. And he's, we're like, is this like your pet? And he's like, no, I just got him from outside, brought, put him in my hood, and just brought him into the bar. And wow. everybody was okay with it, as if wow. that this is a thing that people did. It's probably a thing people do in Windsor. It's got to <laughs> be if that's the level of comfort. And then even the confidence. Like, if yeah. you saw a squirrel, and even if it crawled into your hood, would you be like, cool, now cool. I can walk Let's around have like a it's a party. party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so what can you tell me about the lightning lighting store Smithers? Or, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, that's a Daniel one for sure. We're on tour. is one of our first tours in the West Coast. Smithers, British Columbia. Oh, okay. Uh, it's out in, like, the middle of – it's between a couple mountains. We drove through Smithers, actually, to get to Haida Gwaii. Oh, okay. <laughs> is Haida Gwaii part of Canada? Yes. Haida oh. Gwaii is part of Canada, okay. but it's separate from Canada, and yeah. it's, like – it's Alaska, straight up. Oh, like, it's like our version of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yes, it is so our version of Hawaii because cool. it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and wet and lots of DMT. Um, yeah, so we're driving through, and uh, I forget. I think we had a festival somewhere in northern BC that we were headed towards. So Smithers was sort of one of these checkpoints. Okay. Dano is incredible at, at getting gigs. Routing. Like, you know, if we've got a day off, it's like, well, we can go hang out in a hotel and – and watch three or four of the young guys get drunk and laugh about it. Or we can, you know, make a, sh- make a show happen and we can all eat pizza that night. Yeah. Right? Um, so we did. We <laughs> made a show happen in Smithers, British Columbia. But it's a pretty small spot. And, yeah, they got a couple bars and stuff. Mm-hmm. But nothing really that appropriate. And the person who's really interested in booking us, uh, he owns a lighting store. Okay. And I mean like a traditional lighting store, like Don's Lighthouse right. here in town. <laughs> yeah. I know. Perfect. Yeah. And for uh, those who don't know, it's just a store filled with lamps. Yeah, totally. Yeah, a lot of hanging fixtures and stuff yeah. like that. You don't want to sneeze in that store. No, no, not at all. No, don't put a bull in there. It's yeah. not like a china shop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is hilarious because we're kind of like a bull. Yeah. And this is kind of like a china shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so totally inappropriate. But uh, we show up and we unload into this you know, we walk past a bunch of chandeliers and stuff like that to get to the back where he does the work because he actually does, like, lamp work in there. Like, okay. Uh, you know, welding and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, so there's at least a spot. But he's got, like, you know, a classic, uh, uh, you know, like, elementary school uh, announcement PA system in there. Like, yeah. You know, it's a very different situation than we usually walk into. Um, and then we realized that that's where we're playing, right right there in really? the store. And there's maybe about 20, 25 people who bought tickets. <laughs> and they're, like, closer to us than you and I are right now. Wow. <laughs> um, and it was so awkward. But um, I'll be honest, that's not incredibly uncommon for me. Like, really, when you think about 
our band to play somewhere like that is awkward for any band. Yeah. But, you know, it's like if you had a, a couple of brass instruments in a band like that that were playing some, some kind of chill songs, mm-hmm. you know, you can make it make sense in your head, right? It's always me that makes it weird. And it's not even that I'm a rapper. It's the aggressive thing, right? I'm not being aggressive, but it's not like I'm up there like, oh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, baby. How you been lately? <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> I'm pretty much shouting. So um, it, it gets really weird really quick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is kind of the magic of the band. And it's, it's, it's a unique position for somebody like me to be in. I grew up in metal bands. Mm-hmm. I've also been in compromising situations and everybody's very vocal about how awkward it is and how weird you're making them feel. <laughs> <laughs> but with Hurricane, it's like, it's so odd because it's like for some reason I've become this uh, uh, exception to the rule for a lot of people where they're like, I normally don't like rap, but I love this. Yes. Which I'll be honest, I'm very uncomfortable with. It's not, compl- not the compliment you think it is. Yeah, and also it's like I'm a white rapper. Like I just I'm very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. That's, a, that's not a compliment yeah. to me. Yeah. I appreciate it though. I, I don't know. I just, I just I don't want to piss anybody off for, for saying that, but. It gets weird. So it starts weird and it gets weirder as things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I would say that was one of the weirdest shows we've ever done. The only one that rivals that was one time we were taking a ferry from Tobermory to, uh, no, we were coming from somewhere to Tobermory. Okay. And we took the uh, Chichamon. That's the name of the ferry. Mm-hmm. They got some sort of deal where if you're a band and you play on the Chichamon, you can ride for free. Really? So we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, wait, though. We got a rapper. <laughs> that was really odd, too. But again, same thing. You know, you get a bunch of people who are like, oh, normally I hate rap, but your skin complexion yeah, makes yeah, me really big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> so you do you know Fred Penner? Do I know Fred Penner? I mean, I, I, I would love to look you in the eyes and be like, yeah. We yes, bros. I do. We bros. I texted him just before I started this. He gave me a lot of, like, good feedback. He's like, yo, you got this, Bergsma. Now hop in that log and get on that podcast. Hop on that banana phone. <laughs> um, he said my name once. He said Jacob to me, and that was an incredible moment. Okay. But there was a lot leading up to that. We played Peterborough Folk Festival a handful of times. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, actually, we're going to play it again this year. And Fred plays it every year, too. Uh, or he usually plays it when he's on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year, and we do this all the time in My Son the Hurricane, if we uh, are really enamored by an act that's on the bill uh, or we know that they have a song, for example, that mm-hmm. has a horn section, but they don't travel with a horn section, we'll be like, we'll do it. Really? Absolutely. That's so cool. We've offered it to a lot of different people, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. We offered it to Sloan once, and they double parked us. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. Sloan can literally do anything I love. It's true. <laughs> um, so we offered it to Fred, and he was like, 100%, let's do it. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay. Uh, so we decided to do it, and it was funny. Uh, uh, I forget exactly how it went down, but everybody got on stage. I, I didn't actually – this is why it was really neat that he remembered my name. I didn't have anything he could tribute, right? Like, what am I going to do? Like, right. sandwiches. Yeah, boy, sandwiches, <laughs> right? I don't have anything to contribute. It's just the rest of the band that's really doing it. So um, they did it. And he gets up on stage and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, my son, the hurricane. And everyone, oh, nice, nice, nice. Kids don't know who we are. Um, But Chris, our guitar player, wasn't there. And he's looking around like, where's Chris? And Chris comes running. I think he had to use a washer or something like that. He comes, oh, you just needed to get that one last beer, didn't you, Chris? Totally ball busting our guitar player on stage in front of like a thousand and something people. (laughs) 
that's when we knew Fred Penner was for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we did um, Summer Folk. That's what had happened. We were doing Summer Folk in Owen Sound, and he was on it too. And I went up, and I was just going to say hello again. You know, like, oh, I don't know if you remember me sort of thing. And he said, of course I remember you, Jake. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, man. Like, I don't know where it goes from here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was really neat, man. I, again, I understand. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. When it yeah. Comes to that stuff. And so, and my son, the Hurricane, you've got the tour. Where's the furthest have you gotten the tour? Uh, well, I guess the furthest is probably Europe. We went to Europe the last year of touring. Wow. Um, that was, you know, that was something I... I really uh, was was taken aback by. Yeah. (laughs) It was really cool, actually. I I won't spend too much time talking about it, but we went out uh, our very first time in Europe to a festival called the iHeart Music Festival. Yep. And it's in Sweden. Okay. It's a uh, a music festival, but it's not a music festival in the the scene festival sense. It's a music festival uh, that's for industry people. So the idea is that people come from all over, uh, especially North America, all over the world to play this festival because everybody who runs a festival in Europe is at this festival. Okay. <laughs> uh, what a great festival to play, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, Dan O'Shea, that's the Vegas Funeral Records right there. So we uh, we fly out to this festival. We don't know what to expect other than that we're playing three shows. The first one's small. The second one's at a bigger venue. And the third one's at a, a pretty large mm-hmm. place. And that's really all we know. Everything else is up to us, right? Like even when I got there, I had to go get like a converter for my microphone and stuff like that. Really? I was so ill-prepared. Yeah. Uh, we get there. We did the first show. It was, I don't know, you know, 10, 15 people uh, were there. Um, everybody speaks great English there, by the way. So there wasn't really a communication barrier. And they were very, like, into it. And we're like, man, awesome. Like, well, it's so worth it. You know, like, so worth it to be out here. What mm-hmm. an experience to play for people from out here. And, you know, really cool. We did the second one, and it was like, holy shit, there's, like, almost 500 people in here. Wow. Like, this is neat. Yeah. Like, man, I don't know what's going on. And then for the third show, honestly, Phil, I don't even, like, I almost feel choked up talking about it. We played the big stage. It was so packed in there. They couldn't, like, I, I, I'm sure that it was legal and lawful, but the capacity was like I couldn't even move around. Wow. And there was a lineup out the door, down the stairs, and around the corner to get in. Really? And it was like, how? Like, what's wow. going on, man? Like, I don't know what's going on. That's crazy. Uh, I haven't really been talking to many people. Daniel's been talking to everybody. I don't remember really <laughs> talking to many people. But, uh, yeah, this is like, I don't even know what to say about that. And then the show just was a banger. Like, it just did really, really, really well. And then after that, you know, that's when all the offers come out. We, we had a Scandinavian tour booked. We were supposed to be in Berlin last year. Right. Um, but obviously, you know. Pandemic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even go uh, to the city next to me. I'm probably not going to be flying to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So so how many shows did you do out in Europe? Uh, we just did those three, to tell okay. you the truth. Yeah. Um, and then there was a lot kind of going into the next tour season. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the tip off point for us. Yeah. And it wasn't like, um, you know, we just got there, like, you know, there was a lot building up to it. Dan was very involved in the music industry. So mm-hmm. it was something he was really working toward. Probably passionate about it too. And very passionate yeah. about it. And uh, shout out to the government of Ontario. We actually had a grant. Oh, we really? Were, we were actually given a grant. First time we were given money from, from any the... kind of federal or uh, provincial wow. system. Uh, be given money from anything outside of private, private. We've right. been funded privately a few times, but, mm-hmm. um, that was pretty cool. That is cool. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, we got out there. It was great. It was one hell of an experience, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you folks are on the road, what's your go-to gas station snack? 
<laughs> that changes for everybody. I think it depends <laughs> on where you are on tour. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I actually did a bit about a good this. Point. I used to do a, an account called Brody to Brody to Rody. Brody to Rody. I remember uh, it. That's right. Because I'm the Rody. I'm yeah. the official Rody for my son, the Hurricane. <laughs> He's from New York. No, it's from Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole backstory built up, but um, I did a bit about this through Brody to Rody. When you get out on tour, you know, just like anybody else, you're like, man, let's start with McDonald's, right? What time of the day is it? Let's yeah. get a breakfast sandwich, baby! <laughs> and then, you know, you get coffeeed out and, you know, you start it all over the next day. Yeah. But then when you're like a week, two weeks into tour, it's like, Where's the subway at, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Quiznos still a thing? And then by like three weeks, it's like, just, I'll eat at the venue. I just want tomato juice. Just something that's going to make it so that going to the washroom doesn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be, I need to at least trick my body into thinking I'm being healthy. That's right. <laughs> so tomato juice is vital. Tomato is juice. Thing. Yeah, like from, from, I didn't really get there until I was a little bit older. Um, but yeah, man, you bring a couple of TJs on the road with you. You can just toss them in your underwear drawer or whatever, like in your uh, bag, and yeah. you just let it rip every once. In a while. Like if they taste gross, no matter what, it's not like you need to chill them. Chill them, right? <laughs> it's not a taste thing. You're not doing yeah. this because you like. Is there the preferred brand? I, I usually go for the V8. Yeah, V8. And I like the twenty percent less sodium. Why? I don't know. It makes me feel a little bit better. Oh, yeah. I, it wouldn't okay. say sodium is anything I'm watching. I'll <laughs> sit here and, and eat salt and then drink the 20% less sodium. Right. It just makes me feel better. Just feel better, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's say My Son the Hurricane's at the level of Metallica. You guys are selling out arenas all over. What is the rock star dream writer? What's waiting in the green room for you? Oh, the writer. Oh, man. Now you uh, can get as wild as you want. We've always been very humble with our uh, riders. Right. And as of somewhat recently, I guess I can't speak for the last two years, but as we were kind of uh, getting close to the end of our, our good run there, uh, we actually were putting things on our riders. And really, it has more so to do with the things that you need. Like, I like to have something on stage that I can drink that's not alcoholic, like, mm -hmm. you know, Gatorade or something like that. Again, uh, if it says something on there that leads me to believe that it's going to be helpful, like electrolytes, I'm like, hit me with it then. <laughs> yeah. I, whatever. I need to convince myself. I'm my worst enemy. Yeah. I need to convince myself of this. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, all things considered, delicious food and weed, man. Yeah, that's the shit. That's right? the shit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. if you can put them together, I mean, hey, if you if you're willing, if I could just make shit up off the top of my head and you're gonna deliver, I'd be like, hit me up with a pizza, like something like an Oddbird pizza, like yeah, a yeah. Really nice pizza, oh, yeah. with some like weed infused oil on top. Ooh. Of it. Like I don't want to sit there and smoke weed in front of it. It's still no. weird. I'm not saying it's a stigma thing. It's not a stigma thing. I no. wouldn't smoke anything in front of you. It's just, right. It's it's awkward. I feel inconsiderate. Yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> But if it's on a pizza, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> Nobody would know. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Just so like extravagant food and fucking cool ways. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good answer. I realize too that there's certain things that I, I probably should eat. Like I tend to eat a lot of rice-based dishes or pasta-based dishes before okay. the show. Because uh, it's really physically, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you, you feel it especially in your lungs and diaphragm and stuff like that. You get about halfway through the show and no matter what, like you're going to be feeling it. But I find if I really go hard on the uh, starches before I get on stage, mm -hmm. then like it's much less impactful. I yeah, eh? and I did. I learned that by mistake. We were playing a show once uh, somewhere, and they fed us pa pasta before, which like you know I wouldn't really. If I, even if we were going to a restaurant that served everything, it's not like pasta would be the thing I would ask for. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was really probably the first time <laughs> that, I, that I did that. <laughs> 
And then I got up on stage and I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? Like, I'm just like beaming with energy. Yeah. Here. We're like almost done this set. I feel like I could do it. Let's do an encore. Yeah. Because I, I'm never the one to call that. That's great. <laughs> uh, so I'd probably have some of that in there too. Okay. I noticed though, from my experience, uh, at a certain level, everybody gets a vegetable tray. Yeah. Like, you know, we've had the privilege of playing with some some pretty, pretty, pretty big artists. And it's always like veggie tray plus whatever you're into exactly you it's always a veggie tray you got a veggie tray with the dip <laughs> yeah and the then, dip in the know, middle i don't know are they like are they feeling like they'd like quesadillas with that the sure whatever you know like yeah. man bread whatever cool cool crackers <laughs> sometimes it's just straight up soda biscuits no salt and veggies <laughs> and veggies the yeah. veggies are always there though. always <laughs> that's great the thing that you see so free infrequently on mice on the hurricane uh riders is alcohol okay which is really quite ironic because um like when we started the band mm -hmm. you know kind of like the eggermeister story right? right it's like we were that's it's not like that's what we were doing this for no but it's like that was a part of our lives right mm -hmm. we would drink before the show we drink during the show we drink after the show and uh, do it all over again yeah yeah uh, but over the years, that's that's changed a great deal. And it's not that nobody drinks in the band. Like, you know, pretty well everybody drinks in the band. But nobody drinks uh, in excess. Like, it's it's an after the show. Yeah, like, like it's know. going out. Like, it's drying up. Yeah, 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 totally. yeah, yeah. But the weed is like, whoa! Yeah, yeah. And there was a time in the band where it was just Abe, just my older brother. And right. I. And it would be so awkward, you know? We'd come back to a place. Like, at that time especially, we were staying at people's houses, not hotels. Yeah, yeah. So we'd be like, yo, you mind if we pop outside and smoke some marijuana? <laughs> and sometimes they'd be, like, not into it. Like, well, I upset. prefer if you did it. My neighbors aren't into that. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was just asking to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Now I hate your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go, we're going to go Jaeger bomb their house. Or yeah, totally. Egger bomb their house. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to serenade them first thing in the morning with all these brass instruments. You ever heard a sousaphone at 6 a.m.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what it sounds like, it sucks. <laughs> all right, I got one more question for you, Jacob. Uh -huh. I need you to give me your top five all artists, favorite artists of all time. Oh, if you can't boy. do five, give me three. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, that's, 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 that's a tough one yeah. for me. It's a tough I would question. I though, that when given the opportunity to kind of cite my greatest influences, it's usually certain artists uh, come up a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that when it comes to rap music, the artists that influenced uh, what I like to think of my, my style the most, uh, surprisingly, are, because <laughs> I wouldn't say that most people think this, <laughs> Biggie Smalls and MF Doom. Yeah. And the reason is, is the rhyme styles. To be perfectly honest, I don't really rhyme like they do. But the exploration of more than just A, B, C raps, like it was something that when I heard it and I, I got a chance to kind of see it, it was like, um, this is something that I'm very, like, this isn't just writing raps. This is like very intricate. And, you know, to be honest, Eminem's really great at that too. Mm -hmm. But I grew up at a time where like, I was a metal kid when Eminem came up, right? Right. So like... That was some shit I wasn't into. Right. <laughs> Eventually, I changed my mind. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that as far as rap is concerned, it's those kinds of bands. But like, sincerely, I'm not joking. The Locust and like the Dillinger Escape Plan and mm -hmm. bands like that. Um, the level of pride I get when I hear people listen to that music that have never listened to that music before through my introduction makes me feel like there, there's something more special about those bands than I give them credit for. Yeah. Like, um, when I saw The Locust the first time, it was, they were opening for the Dillinger Escape Plan. Really? And somebody told me about them, and my response was, 
oh yeah, they're fucking crazy. I, I'm going to see the Dillinger Escape Plan, dude. I they think go. I know crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't sound like that, by the way. And I never said those words in real life. <laughs> That's how I felt. And uh, and I show up. It was the Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, which my son Hurricane just played, by the way. So, oh, that's so uh, sick. You know, what a cool thing. Um, show up and yeah, these four guys walk out on stage dressed as locust, and I don't. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. And this is what made it so special. Was you know how these bands start, right? Like you've seen a fair amount of grindcore bands and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Usually it's like you start with a big yeah or something. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. Something to get everybody to put their hands up and and to know that yeah. this is when I'm supposed to start doing whatever I do, mosh yeah. or yeah. whatever. The locusts get up on stage and one snare snap. <laughs> that was it. It went from zero to three thousand. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like, I just didn't know what to think. And then you go and look into them. At the time, they had just released Plague Soundscapes, which was their big album. At the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like all these song titles, like Psst, the half-eaten sausage would like to see you in his office. <laughs> <laughs> Like, man, what the hell is that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I look into them even further. And uh, Justin, what's his name, the bass player? I forget his name. In any event, it's like these guys are are, are not just dirtbags. They're committed mm-hmm. to it. Like they've got this whole band where they just do this crazy stuff that really is irrelevant to everyone. <laughs> but so relevant for some other reason that I can't explain. Yeah. The bass player was actually on Springer. Really? And apparently he made a bunch of stuff up. Yeah. Like, I think he might be bisexual or something like that, but he made a story up about how he was sleeping with this guy and, and his girlfriend didn't know about it. <laughs> Allegedly, it was all made up, but he's rocking a Locust t-shirt. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. And it's like, I think it's kind of like this whole thing. The birds aren't real. It's like, I just have the utmost respect for people that, like, live the troll. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you're just online and you're under a pseudonym and you're just making fun of people because it makes you feel big. It's right. Like, it's the satire thing. It's like you are a living, breathing example of excellence. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that they, they, are, they were that, at least. I, I, don't, I haven't really kept up with them. They eventually uh, – uh, Epitaph Records. Mm-hmm. No, not Epitaph. Epicac. <laughs> different label different label it's okay. um, Mike Patton's label oh I didn't know that yeah uh, so he's got Phantomus and I think Cattle Decapitation's on there oh really too. yeah uh, and you know anything that he does is, comes out through that record yeah They're yeah, on yeah. That record label now too yeah when I saw them uh, the last time it was The Locust Phantomus if you have do you know Phantomus no I don't oh my god Phantomus is uh, Mike Patton, so the singer of uh, Faith No More. Faith No More. And he did a Dillinger album, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Mr. Bungle, you ever Mr. heard Mr. Bungle, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Of course I know Mr. Yeah, Bungle. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, fuck, what were we talking Phantom? about? Phantom? Now I, now I can't stop thinking about Mr. Bungle. Uh, yeah, Phantomus. <laughs> yeah. Phantomus is an album, uh, or a, a couple of albums, a handful of albums. One of the most notable ones is called Director's Cut, and they just cover horror movie theme songs but i'm not talking about like new ones it's like the omen and rosemary's baby and stuff okay. like that and they're really just like cool but it's a heavy metal band it's, yeah it's, it's uh buzz from the melvins okay it's dave lombardo from slayer okay like it's it's super yeah super you got cool. me sold um and they also have albums that you should never ever ever listen to when you go to bed <laughs> <laughs> it's just like creepy shit oh really and then 45 minutes into the album a song plays oh okay that's, that's the album yeah <laughs> yeah so i won't get too far into the mike Patton thing but mike Patton was a huge deal for me and my brother abe growing and my younger brother john too 
Um, if you ever get a chance to check out the album Adult Themes for Voice by okay. Mike Patton. Uh, or there's the very first Phantomist album. I don't know how to pronounce it, but sure. it's, the, it's the I don't want to tell you about it because I don't want to spoil it. Okay. <laughs> Leave it as a surprise. Awesome. I'll have to check it out. But uh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that really knocked me off my socks. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Awesome. Well, I think we can end it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this for me, Jacob. Oh, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. I love the show. And uh, if you guys don't know, Phil was my saving grace this oh. year for the Niagara Music Year in <laughs> Review. Uh, which we try to do every year. Uh, to tell you the truth, Phil, eventually I'd love to give you that show. I really? I was waiting to tell you that, but this seems oh. like an opportune moment. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, and we can talk about that later yeah. for sure. But uh, I love what you got going on here. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, I love that you're, you're doing culture things, man. Fuck yeah. I'm yeah. glad you're digging it. I don't know it. what kind of uh, big money you're making off this podcast. Nothing. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the negative. But this shit matters, man support like subscribe yes yes get it in <laughs> so but if you have any uh social media or you uh, got plugs or anything that would be your time all right all yeah, I may as well get them in so uh, of course my son the hurricanes online you can check them out on all the social media channels we're even on tiktok now if you can Fun. believe it uh myself i'm on there too uh if you want to check it out more than anything i'm on twitter twitter's pretty much where i live as a middle child who uh loves just um Dirt bagging around. Twitter is the place for me. Uh, and then, of course, Garden City Cannabis Call. That's right. <laughs> We're all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right on. Cool. Yeah, and that's about it, I think. Uh, unless I should plug anything else. No, nah, that's about it. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, let's end it there. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks.
There you have it, folks. That was my conversation with Jacob Bergsma. The tune you just heard was from his former band, Smith's Grove, with the tune, You Snooze, You Lost. And in the middle there, you heard Baked with Quit Your Job. And we started the show off with My Son the Hurricane and their song Smile. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on our YouTube account. You can follow us on our Instagram as well, but follow us on our YouTube it's a big deal now. I need you to I need you to jump ship from the Instagram folks. And I need you to be YouTube folks. I need you to like, subscribe, comment. Tell us what you thought was great of that episode. Tell us any of the guests that you want more on. Let me know. Take it easy, folks. <laughs>